Kia ora, I'm Tim McCready and this is Too Much Talk, a podcast from Onihanga FM. Way back in 1893, Elizabeth Yates became mayor of Onihanga and the first female mayor in the British Empire. She famously said, There is in both borough councils and in parliament too a great deal too much talk. Over the coming weeks, we'll be cutting through the talk and chatting with candidates and commentators ahead of the local body election about their vision for Onihanga and the surrounding suburbs. In this episode, I speak with Dr John Peebles, who is running for Monga Keke Tamaki Councillor as an independent. John has a varied background. He's worked in executive recruitment for around 40 years, has been director on boards, is an author, and has his own podcast about business in New Zealand. He is also former chair of the old Remuera electorate for National, and has served in a number of roles within the National Party. Kia ora, John. Thank you for joining us on this podcast. I wanted to begin with uh, your background because you've had quite a varied background. I see you've worked uh, for uh, a number of years uh, in executive recruitment. Um, You've been a director on all sorts of boards. You're an author, uh, and I think you even have your own podcast. Uh, And uh, you were uh, even you started off your career as a reporter with the New Zealand Herald, I think. But but could you tell me how would you describe yourself to the voters of Auckland? Uh, I'm probably. a management guru in the true sense of the word, and that my PhD is in corporate governance, um, and uh, I work in corporate governance. So, for example, I'm currently doing a publicly listed company board evaluation, um, and uh, I would find directors or top executives, and we've done the biggest in the country, um, and I've done a lot of that work offshore, uh, whether it's chief executive of a marginal gold mining company in South Africa or some work looking for someone in Darwin, as we did recently, for a sandalwood operation. So uh, we we get all over the place. Um, COVID has reduced the scope of a lot of that uh, search work. But so the bulk of the work today is things like I chair uh, one of the major private retirement villages. I've just finished chairing um, something that will grow into the largest um, truffle company in the Southern Hemisphere, uh, which we started up and got going. And uh, I've been involved in a number of different boards and activities. Um, so I keep myself fairly active in a variety mm. of roles. Yeah, well, I was going to say, you're clearly uh, very busy. So what is it that makes you want to get into local politics then? I've been very critical for years <laughs> of the lack of action. And I'd have to say I was, I've been very critical of what I'd call um, uh, sort of groups or cliques of people who run like community and residence or Labour or whatever. People vote on a ticket, but if you look back over the years, the ticket has done absolutely nothing for them. Nothing. The, and, and the fight is to get a, people, a group of uh, fair-minded, free-thinking, capable commercial people involved. And that involves independence. It's going to be, it's going to be interesting, this election, because we've got Williamson over in Pakaranga, who certainly um, sort of... Uh, comes out swinging from the right-hand side, and there'll be a number of others, I think, from the North Shore and so on. If they've got a good group of independents in this year, it could be the best council they've had. So you're, um, just to be clear, you're running as an independent? Yes, um, I'm a, I'm a centre-right independent. I mean, if you go back and trace political affiliations, I'm a former chairman of the Remura electorate under National. Yes. I was a yep. Dominion councillor and so on. So I was associated with that many years ago. Not a member of the party today, Um Really, a fairly fiercely independent uh, person who's got strong commercial interest. 
Right. Okay. Um, I, I was interested. I've had a look through uh, through your Facebook uh, videos. You've got a number of videos on there for anyone listening that wants to that wants to hear a little bit more about you. Uh, talk about your your issues. One of the things that you mentioned is that council needs to bring a hard focus to what is important to ratepayers as a as a collective group. What could you talk a little bit about what you mean by by that? Right. Well, let's just take one of the key factors that I think we've got to look at. The first and foremost thing we've got to do is balance the budget. Now, Mr. Goff has disappeared off to wherever he's going, thank goodness. And he's left us with a Labour uh, sort of background. You know, you just spend and you don't worry about what the budget looks like. Now, if you and I went along to the bank and said, look, sorry, we can't balance the budget this year. We're only 900 million away from it. And, you know, next year we still don't know whether we can balance it or not. Can you help us? I think there'd be about a three-second gap before the bank told you which door to use on the way out. And we have got the, the first thing we've got to do is balance the budget. Now, people have fiddled with it. They haven't actually looked at it and looked at it properly. And I think the things that really frighten me about that are that Mr. Goff, in his own and the council, uh, have elected to take $150 million from for the three waters, and they've done it through the budget without going out to their people. And they're going to use that to wipe off the deficit. Now, if I said to you, look, you're in debt, sell your house and pay off the debt, how would you feel about it? Because that's what we're doing. That that asset is worth 10 billion on the books. And we've got rid of it for what, half a billion? Now, what sort of commercial sense does that make? It makes absolutely none. Um, and that's where I believe the first exercise is, how do we balance the budget? One of the quick questions for you is how many communications and PR people have they got in their head office of council? What, telling the world they're performing badly? We can see that. We don't need them there. They'd perform a lot better if they got rid of all of them. Um, so it's a really simple thing. It's about balancing the budget, first of all. There's two ways to do that. You bring in the chief executive and you say to him, balance the budget for us. And if you don't balance the budget, we'll do it for you. Um, now, there's a group of people who I think are standing as independents who'd be quite capable of doing that. Mm. Are you, and okay, so you raise a good point. Um, you know, there's you'd be if if you're successful in your in your bid to become a councillor, you're one of twenty councillors, um, and you've got the mayor there as well. How would you? And I guess you've got experience with boards and in, in corporate governance. How how would you work with um, with with the other councillors? Because you know you're not going to end up with uh, a council full of the independents, for example. No, you're not. And in fact, yeah, highly <laughs> unlikely. And you know, it's a really difficult ask. That's why sometimes it's not wise to actually put a flag in the ground and say, this is what I'm going to do, because you mightn't be able to get there. And councils, like any committee, come up with compromises. What you have to do, though, and the bulk of the work in something like this when you want to do it, is outside the boardroom, not inside the boardroom. So you've got to influence and steer and gather support from the outside with some common objectives. They've got to be simple and easy to grasp, and you've got to be able to get those across the line. And I think... Uh, Dove Meyer Robinson once said to me when I was talking to him, you get one thing across and you win it in a council meeting, only one. You might win two, but you will certainly lose the third. So don't try for them. Go for the first and pick the most important things and knock them off. And that's exactly what has mm. to be done. And so your most important thing that you're looking to, to tackle would be the, the budget. No, that's the first step, because if you can't balance the budget, you can't do anything else. Um, if If you were saying to me, what are the three things? First is balance the budget and at least get that process underway. And it'll take a bit of reversing and doing. And there'll be some definition of what do people really want? Do we know? Have we asked? What do they see as the most important? Let's actually get that thing delivered. 
let's say, let's balance the budget. And one of the ways we've got to think about it is not fit up a committee and say we've taken 90 million off the costs last year, which they think they did. It's actually saying, how do we rethink what we're doing? How do we redefine the processes? Let me give you a very good example. We send out one of those little green dog tags each year to you if you're a dog owner. Why? Why don't we just give you a number like the IRD or something and say, you must engrave this on the tag that you keep on the collar of your dog with your phone number. Everyone has that. Put it on the other side. And each year we'll just send you a fee. We don't need to send you a new tag each year. That's the smallest end of it. If you come to the bigger end, why would you expect a company, as I was looking at recently, which was going through certificates of compliance to spend 200000 with council, just getting inspections and other things done over a three-year period? And that's what it cost. Now, there's a whole industry inside council that looks after uh, property and um, consents, etc. Why not just say council sets the regulatory basis for this? We'll then register engineers, architects and builders. They'll have a list and they're the people you use. And you come to us and you say, I'm going to build this. And you use your registered people. And if something goes wrong, you sue those people. We don't need to inspect it or consent it. If we don't like it when we do ask, uh, we are asked to inspect it, we would want to retain the right to tear it down. So you're looking, first of all, at the right that it might be torn down if you don't comply. And the engineers and the architects and the builders would be deregistered and couldn't build again in Auckland. So it's as simple as that. And we would save an awful lot of money on a, a lot of people doing absolutely nothing. I think the last time I went for a consent um, for one of the properties on the farm, I think the cost was pretty close to a quarter of a million. It took about eight years. And when I finally got this magical 224C or whatever it was, my lawyer rang me and said, which do you want first, the good news or the bad news? And I said, well, you give me the good news first. Well, you've got the consent. The bad news is they've passed it through every department and council. It's an inch thick on my desk and the bill is $9,000 to sign it off. And I said, just pay it. I've waited too long. So, you know, there's too much rubbish goes on. Yeah. Okay. So, but what about, I mean, obviously as a counsellor, you, you're representing... Um uh, not only those people that directly pay rates, but you know the right. the, the broader uh, community as a whole. And I think the Mongaki Kitamaki Ward, it's probably one of the more varied um, in terms of suburbs, right? You've got um, you know right out to sort of Penrose, Mount Wellington, Pamua, Glendinus as part of it, and then Royal Oak and Onihanga. How yeah. what what are the what are the key issues that you see uh, beyond those that own that own property and, and pay rates directly? What? Well, I think this, the key issue is probably transport and being able to move around the city, in my view, because it's going to get considerably worse. And I don't disagree with ideas like climate or other things, but we have to rethink the way we, we process those. This ward's got a long streak of water, so it's a very difficult ward to contain. You can talk about only hunger and the Business Association. Crikey, it's minute. It sits in the middle of something, does a great job. The local ward, I mean, that's the place for the local issues, frankly. I... And if I look at the local wards, they've done some first-class work in the last decade. I wouldn't want to interfere with that, but I'd want to be their strong voice on council to support them, to assist their budget, to assist any processes that were vital. Um, and so you'd want to be in close contact with them, but you wouldn't want to interfere with them. They're doing a darn good job, and they've got a budget to work with. Um, if they needed a budget for something special, there's some issues that at times I'd probably want to raise with them, like street lighting. We've got a lot of big trees in this area. And they overgrow the street lights and they're the darkest streets in Auckland. So, you know, 
how are we going to tackle that? What do we need to think about? You guys should get onto that. Not my job. I'm just going to tell you, I think this is a concern you should be having, but I'm not going to get there. That's for you people to decide. My job is to try and support you at the top, to be a good voice and to actually say over the whole of the region, what's important? If we want to contain rates, and I don't know what yours were like last year, but I think I've just seen mine go up again by about 6 or 7%. If we want to contain them, mm. and this is the only business where I can send out an increase without asking you. I mean, goodness. And I don't care what your market response is because I'm, I'm the only person who can bill you this way. And so if you want your rubbish delivered and your water delivered, you've got to pay me. Um, but I shouldn't be paying you something that's unreasonable when the, you know, the cost of living is going up as it is. People need to have some certainty. They need to know that budget is being uh, done on the best possible basis. And you're paying as little as you need to for the services that are of quality and what you want. And that doesn't include a whole range of stuff that's totally fluff, frankly. Have you got a, um, a, an opinion on what the rate rise should be or what you'd try to target as a council? Well, I think uh, uh, it's, that's, a hard, that's a hard one to say because we don't know where this where things going. I tend to look at when I'm looking at what rates should be or where they should go from a commercial or governance point of view, I tend to look at the uh, Reserve Bank uh, calculator and say, what have these things risen in the last few years? Therefore, what are they rising over the country in, in the last few years? Now, Auckland has got some rather interesting ones. Um, but if we look at it, we've, we're trying to do too many projects. We've got to cut down from building this or building that and say, what's really important here? I think actually, if, if you talk to the average person, it's getting around the city that's a hard bit. Now, whether it's by rail or whether it's by overhead or whether it's by bus, does it really matter? We should have some long-term strategic plan, not only to go in and out of the city, but to connect the suburbs. We haven't done that. We haven't thought about that, not nearly as much as we should. Mm. Well, what's your opinion then on light rail, for example? I, I think one of Viv Beck's policies is to direct money that would have gone to light rail into into more buses. What, where do you sort of sit in that space? Look, uh, I don't really care. I think the sort of thing is, frankly, how do you move the people in the most efficient way? And that's what we should be focusing on. And has anyone done that and sat back and said, look, it's the most efficient way to move people? I was involved a few years ago now with a wonderful uh, investor who looked at moving people from Auckland out to the airport by an overhead uh, cab that ran past every 12 minutes. It was a brilliant system, didn't interfere with our roads, didn't go underneath it. It was a cheap, fast system. It couldn't even get off the ground because no one would look at it. Um, so I don't think we we start by saying, is it light rail or is it underground? Is it bus? We start by saying, what's the most efficient way to get people from A to B? And let's look at it all and go back. Now, there's probably more reports on light rail than you and I could possibly store in our bedroom. I would imagine it would be massive. So why would you go there? Mm. And I, I'm not an advocate of one or the other. What is the most efficient thing is the way I'm talking about. We've got to be able to move them and we've got to be right. able to move them efficiently. Right. So, yeah, so I'm, I'm picking you're probably not a huge um, fan of Auckland Transport at this point then. <laughs> no, I think that I think they've come a long way, but I think we have some, you know, we've what we do is we do things like fiddle with lanes and think we've improved something. Um, the congestion at Green Lane, someone once said to me, was going up about 18 percent per annum. and No one's ever done anything about it. That's the Green Lane intersection by the motorway. Well, it's happening all over the place. The problem is not using the motorway. The problem is getting onto it. And we have cars that get onto it in massive numbers, one of the highest rates of car use in the world. Let's say to yourselves, look, mm. 
doesn't matter how we do it. Let's take the buses or Auckland Transport, but let's give them something to work with. Let's give them a 10 or 15 year strategic plan based on population, based on what the needs are going to be. And let's start putting out that uh, cross city, cross suburb bit. Let's start looking where people are going. How do we get them there? I don't care if we start building underground or overhead rail or light rail. It doesn't matter. To me, light rail is a wee bit fixed. Um, it has a problem with um, you know, getting around. I'd rather be in an underground system or uh, be on a bus system, to be perfectly frank. But you know, I I can be convinced. Yep, yep. Okay, well, we'll change we'll change our topic slightly. Over the course of this podcast series, I've been talking to uh, commentators in the area about what what sort of specific things. Uh, what issues they see for this particular part of Auckland. And obviously you've mentioned climate change. That's a big issue. Crime uh, has also been mentioned and public transport. Um, I know that you've said that uh, you think um, a lot of that would be tackled by the local board, but as, as the councillor, what, what kind of, what of those um, hot topics are of most interest to you? What would you, what are you most uh, passionate about seeing some change in? Well, I think uh, crime is one of the areas that obviously it's a, an increasing problem. We've got ram raids and so on. We've seen that. So how do you tackle that? How do you advise people to, to tackle that? What sort of advice can you give them? And it may be almost uh, giving them access to advice that they can pick up on a national basis because most of that crime work has to be done on a national basis. And uh, we shouldn't expect other than that. However, there are some things we can really do. And I mentioned a while ago lighting. I mean, street lighting, if you're going to stop crime, has to be significantly improved. We have a rather large, ugly tree outside our front uh, gate, and it not only shuts off the traffic coming, so it's hard to see past it, but it provides a great deal of cover. I've, we have also a, uh, a box, a tin box outside that covers off, I think, um, the major uh, telephone networks. That has been decorated with graffiti five times this year. Um, in fact, I've got to know the guy who paints the graffiti out so well. I've got his first name and his mobile number in my phone, and I can ring him and say, hey, Oh, well, David, that's handy. At least you can yeah. give him a call. <laughs> David, come around and fix this, will you? Uh, and some of the stuff is simply obscene. So, you know, you've, I think we haven't done enough to tackle some of the things we should do domestically. We could help the police a certain amount. But you have to look at it and say, we don't even have a police station that's really seriously full-time manned in this area, and certainly not only Hunger uh, or One Tree Hill. We have something that's there in an administrative sense, not full-time. Uh, so if you want a policeman, you're probably out of luck anyway. Um, so I, I don't know, but that's right, a national okay. issue. I, I have to ask that then. Um, you've mentioned tree cover twice in this interview. Um, right. I know that the, the the climate action targeted rate, which Phil Goff has, has put forward, is uh, proposing to spend some of that money on uh, additional canopy cover and trees to, to you know, to reduce... The warming of the uh, of the city. What what's your thoughts around initiatives like that? I have absolutely no problem with that. I mean, we when we were um, on the farm, we planted twenty six acres and covenanted it, and we put in thousands of trees and natives as well as other trees. I have probably planted more trees than I care to think about. We've got a wonderful Pahuta car on our back boundary, um, about one hundred and ten years old, and the film company came around recently and ran a thing for the film festival. Uh, filming in the backyard around this Peter Kawa. It's beautiful. I, I think we're so fortunate to have those trees. The trouble we've got in, in say, in Mangakiki is that, in the particular area, is that we've got a lot of listed trees. Um, now, you want to protect them, but at the same time, you don't want them to infringe on um, what's necessary for safety. Uh, that That's either something falling down or whatever. 
So that's a big job. But I wouldn't I mm. wouldn't want to stop a tree planting project by any means. Yeah, okay. I <laughs> just wanted to wanted to check that one. Um, oh, no. Okay. Um <laughs> are there any other areas in particular that you're uh, passionate and in, in sort of focusing on uh, if you were successful in your election looking out over the next three years? Well, I think um, if, if I've mentioned them to you, it's that budget, it's redefining the processes, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's then getting the people around the regional, getting that started as a process that will be ongoing beyond my time. I, th- I think if you start thinking about redefining processes and you look at the work behind that, one simple statement like saying, let's look at what we're doing in terms of consenting and what we've got in there, hell, that's a nightmare. That would take probably five years to sort out. But someone's got to start on it. It can't go on as it is. Um, And it just turns into a nightmare. And what's more, when you send people out and you send them out to inspect something and they sign off on it, you produce a liability for the council. The council is now bound as a defendant in any process that's taken against it. Why the devil should it do that? It's just nutty. Um, it's had all sorts of uh, cases which it's settled quietly, which have dealt with things from leaking, goodness knows what. Um, buildings leak. Um, buildings fall down. Uh, you have to actually say, these are the things that you put on there. This is what you do. And we're not in it, guys. It's someone else's problem. Sue them. Uh, and that becomes, I think, something I'd really be keen to see. But don't, don't underestimate those three things I've mentioned because... Even balancing the budget, you know, you can't do it overnight. We've been left or the incoming council will be left with a budget. They'll inherit a budget signed off by a gang of people uh, who've set the first year in concrete for you. Now, how do you break the concrete up and look at it? Uh, that's, that's actually quite a big job. So it might seem like a few very simple things, but there are a number of steps to actually doing that that have to be taken care of. And you've got to marshal the support, and that doesn't happen overnight. You've got to be able to say how many other like-minded mm. people are there here, and can we actually affect it? Um, and yep. you've got to be realistic. Yep. And it's uh, uh, you don't you don't know what you're going to get until uh, absolutely <laughs> until the until the close, right? Well, the the people get what you know they get the government they elect and they want, so they can only blame themselves at the end of the day if what they get is something that they don't ultimately want. Mm. That's well. That's right. That's right. Um, okay, brilliant. So I've got uh, just before we finish off, I've got a, a couple of quick fire questions for you, and they're just uh, preferably single word answers. Um, first one: What suburb do you live in? I live in One Tree Hill, Green Lane, kind of side. Is that right? I'm now? on Campbell Road. I'm right on the boundary of Cornwall Park, so I walk in the park every day. It's one of our greatest jewels. That's for sure. Uh, when was the last time you used public transport? Um, probably some considerable number of years ago. Uh, And that's simply, it's just not convenient. Let me just say this to you. If I've got a grandson who plays hockey, I'm sitting in One Tree Hill and he's playing hockey out of Pakaranga. If I got on my bike or tried to get there by bus or by train, it would take me a week. God knows how I'd get back and I'd be starving by the time I got there. So it's just not feasible, which is why you've got to look at how we move people. The trouble we've got is that London has got the same size as us but the density of population is so much higher that you can afford to put in underground and other more compact systems. We can't. That becomes our issue. But we have to tackle That's it. That's right. Yeah. And you've preempted my next question, which was when was the last time you rode a bike in Auckland? Um, I don't think that uh, bikes are something I'm madly keen on. Uh, I, I used to, you know, I've raced on bikes and I certainly rode one as a child. I mean, everyone's got to learn to ride one. 
still got a photograph of myself with 10 with my first bike, which was pretty ungainly looking compared with what they are today. Uh, I don't object to bikes. I think it's a great idea to ride it if you can. Uh, I don't see bike riding as a solution to removing our transport population. No, uh, there's a small proportion of people who will do it, but it's taking an inordinate amount of money to deal with that small issue. All right. Uh, do you support fares-free public transport? Yes. If you said to me, I don't support them personally, but if you said to me, what would the game be in transport when I talk about moving it? It would be finding a system that worked. It would be finding it over a 15 to 20 year plan to meet the city's needs. And it would be saying, if you buy one pass or one ticket at a discounted rate, you can travel on any form of transport in the city using that ticket. Why shouldn't you? Um, so it might be free, but it might be a nominal fee that you pay. And I don't see that if we don't if we don't make transport available and free, it'll never be used. People have had all sorts of theories, but if it's not if it's free, people will use it. And if it goes yeah, to the right, right. place, they'll yeah, keep, use it. Keep in mind these are quick fire questions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there um, you go. Okay. Uh, should Auckland's port be moved from its current site? Yes, should have been moved years ago. Um, there's no reason why the council A should hold a port company. That's the first thing. Secondly, there's only so many ports that big ships will be able to come into as it goes forward. And I would suspect we should have Northland and we should develop that as Northland and help them. And we should have a rapid rail into a make-up, break-up port somewhere in um, sort of the you know, outskirts of Auckland to deal with it. We shouldn't bring stuff into Auckland if we can avoid it. We've taken the most beautiful waterfront in the world and we've stuffed it up. All right. Um, I alluded to this before. Do you support the climate action targeted rate, which I think adds about 2.2% uh, onto the rates? Something well, like I, I don't know that I'd support adding it onto the rates, but I certainly support what they're trying to do. I still think there's other things that, that can be done. And, you know, it's interesting. A region can do things like saying from such and such a date, you will not bring a car into Auckland City if it's petrol or diesel. You will not bring it in unless you pay X tax. And you make it absolutely punitive. So that's how you do it. By the same token, I worry about us having electric cars and saying, how the hell are we going to generate that? And is that generation of electricity uh, more unfriendly to the climate uh, than actually? So we've got to find some solution and we've got to start on that process. Starting on the process means charging units everywhere and Lord yep. knows what. So th there's a fair, a fair bit of work to do there. All right. Um, how many houses do you own? Uh, one. Used to own two, which was a farm. All right. And um, and who do you support for um, the for mayor? The mayor, I'd go with Brown from up north. And there's, and probably listening to me, you'd probably say, you know, he would fit compatibly with Williamson and Brown and a few of the others. And I would probably. I'd fit in the same space, which is right. Len, uh, Brown, uh, Wayne Brown is a guy I've known. I knew him as chairman uh, on, and I've known him as a director on a couple of boards. I've worked for him as a consultant, uh, finding chief executives for things he's been sorting out. I've seen him sort them out. He can sort them out extremely effectively. He's not hes not going to perhaps uh, win the top votes at the garden party, um, but he will do the job and he'll do it very well. And, I, and we have a job that needs to be done. It's not about swanning around being nice. It's actually about getting a job done. Yep. And he would be very effective at that. All right. Um, I'm sure he'll be very happy to have your support. Um, <laughs> and a question that I'm asking all of my guests, could you could you tell me one of your favorite places in Onehunga and why you love it? Well, um, actually, there's, there's two things. 
I verge between Oni Hanger, Royal Oak and Oni Hanger. I love Cornwall Park. I, I just mm-hmm. think the man who had the foresight to give that to the city of Auckland, it is the greatest thing we've ever been given. Uh, One million plus visitors a year. But if you said to me where you want to go, I've been staggered when I moved from Remuera to, and lived in Montreal Hill to find Royal Oak and Oni Hanger shopping centres. And I'd have to say they're the best kept secret in Auckland. There's some first class shops and businesses in those areas. I get my bread in this area. I go down there for just about everything you can think of. The paint shop is one of the best I've ever been to. They're so obliging. I mean, there's a wonderful group of people in there running some wonderful businesses. And I think they're superb. They beat anything I could find. You're, you're letting our secret out to everyone that's that's listening to this podcast. <laughs> well, you know, I couldn't find I couldn't find a resine shop in in uh, Remuera, but one and only hanger is crash hop without giving away too much. So the people are so great. There we go. There we go. Bit of promo for them. Um, yeah. Okay, and um, and before we go, um, I just wanted to give you the chance um, to tell people listening why they should vote for you. Well, I I think frankly, uh, the biggest problem we've got on the council is at a macro level. The council needs to have the capacity to put people on who can actually manage substantial budgets, understand those budgets, know what they're doing, but thinks primarily and first of all of the customer, the ratepayer. And this is about thinking of the customer and making sure in a time of um, rising costs and inflation, which I can't see the end of at the moment, making sure we do the very best job we can for those people while still delivering a crash hot service. So there you are. Great. Well, John, thanks so much uh, for joining us on the podcast uh, and uh, all the best for the campaign ahead. Thanks very much indeed and have a good night, Tim. That concludes our series speaking with our councillor candidates. Christopher Carroll, who is running for both councillor and for the local board, decided not to be included as part of this lineup. If you're enjoying this podcast, please share it with your friends and your neighbours and let me know if there are any questions you'd like me to put to candidates in upcoming episodes. I'll be speaking with the candidates for the local board and, of course, Auckland's next mayor. You can get in touch with me on social media. I'm Tim underscore McCready on both Twitter and Instagram, and I'd love to hear from you. As always, thank you to my producer, Josh Couch, who dreamed up Onihanga FM to bring hyper-local content to the residents of Onihanga and surrounding suburbs. I'll be back with the next episode soon. And don't forget to vote. Voting closes on the 8th of October.